Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. All right, Brad, I've been kind of dreading this episode. Why? I just, I don't like taxes like you do. Well, nobody <laughs> likes no, taxes. No, you get off on this stuff. No, I, I get off on, well, I don't get off on anything. <laughs> I enjoy what you get off on. <laughs> I enjoy thinking through tax mitigation strategies. Okay, I respect that about you. Yeah, so folks, this is a tax episode. It's a bit timely, although frankly, it's completely useless for this year, <laughs> given that you're going to hear this after April 15th. Well, we're recording it on April 16th, so we were very close. We, were, we almost nailed it. And so this, this week, we're going to be talking about K-1s. Okay. So Brad, I just kick it off. What is a K-1? K-1 is a tax form that you get from a private investment, typically an LLC, a a partnership entity, the investment you made, this is the tax form you're going to get yearly uh, from that sponsor. So you can go ahead and file your taxes and pay your taxes on that income. Gotcha. So, okay. So then this is very relevant to our alternative investment community here, because if you ever are going to be making uh, investments in alternative assets, Likely, you're going to be getting a K-1, right? So if Highly you, likely. So and get it, used to it. Yeah, you're probably used to getting a 1099 dividend form from your your just stocks and bond investments. I actually, I don't know what bonds give. But yeah, probably dividend. Yeah, so you've, you've, you've received forms in the mail from other investments you've made and that have boxes and, form, you know, and, and information on them. So this is another one of those, right? This is a different form of those and, and actually <laughs> one with more headaches to it because it usually doesn't come at the end of January and February like your 10... Uh, 99 dividend stock uh, forms that come. These these tend to come later. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into that. And so, okay, let's kick it off. So this is a, okay, the K-1 is a, is this a federal or a state document? Like talk us through that. What is this thing? Well, it's both. So generally you'll get uh, the federal K-1, which is, you know, pretty standard. And then you, you may or may not get multiple state K-1s depending on where this asset is located. Which just, which just adds to the headache. So, okay. So if you ever, are, if you're investing in a pass-through entity, like a trust or a, uh, a partnership, like an LLC or an S corp, the, the whole point here is that you're actually responsible for the taxes of that entity. That is what a pass-through entity is, correct? Yeah. So okay. the, the fund or the investment is not paying the taxes on your behalf. That's your job. That's your job. So the, just like it says, it passes through that entity and goes straight to you. Yep. Okay, cool. And when I ran uh, Birdwell, the, uh, the apparel business that I ran for a few years, I remember we had to send these out and I even had to send one to myself because I invested in that business. And I, I have to admit, I did not spend a lot of time looking at it. Like, yeah, I'm sure you spend a lot of time on your K-1s. Well, yeah. I mean, I have, a, I get a few of them and they're meaningful, right? So if, if the numbers are incorrect in terms of the, the net income, you're going to pay a lot more than you owe the tax man. I just, so. I'm picturing you like on your, your leather couch with your glasses on, just thumbing through your K-1s. <laughs> <laughs> Is that accurate? Do you have like an old fashioned in your hand? Like a, a, a you glass? Know, I of, should start doing that. <laughs> your, your dog next to you. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hate tax season just as the much, as much as the next person, but uh, you know, you, you got to understand these things if you want to make sure that you're not paying a dollar. I'm more than you know. Yeah. And I like, look, some of the smartest investors I know are, they just, they do geek out on the taxes and the tax implications. And just, so I, I get it. Like there's, this is important stuff. So yeah. Cause it's not the, the, the net return that, that what you get from the, the sponsor that you made an investment with, it's the after tax return mm, that should matter. Yeah, That's no. what you can actually spend. Fair enough. Although it's yeah. lower, so it's less fun to talk about. Well, it is lower. And, but you know, you're only going to have one partner guaranteed for life, right? <laughs> the tax man is, the IRS is your partner for life. Yeah. Uh, they just don't have to go to all the meetings. So romantic. Um, okay, so let's get into a little more detail on the K-1s. Okay, so let's kick it off for us. You know, I'm looking at one right now. Actually, I pulled up the one that I had for the, the business that I ran. 
and I'm seeing what it looks like. So it's multiple pages, right? So I'm, I don't know this thing's about, gosh, it's nine pages. Super annoying. And it's a couple of parts. And then there's it's a, a real bunch simple of, one, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this one's easy. So the couple of parts and then, and then there's a bunch of boxes that are numbered. So what, what are the key pieces of information? We're not going to go through all of this, right? Please tell no, me. Okay, no, 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 Thank no. God. All right. What are we, what are the key pieces of information on this thing? Well, first and foremost, just part one is just going to be your personal information. So that's real simple. Uh, your address, yada, yada, your EIN, or, or if you're using a, a trust or a an IRA, it's going to be an EIN number, which is just a, you know, a, a tax ID number that the IRS gives you, okay. right? So that's, so that's, that's for, for an entity. In, that's for the investment that you're investing in. Okay. No. So that's actually for your investment. Yeah. So, okay. So the entity that you invested in, correct? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay, a is you. for the entity you okay. invested in, right? Okay. So the first part is the the entity you invested in, so that EIN number. And then the second part is going to be your EIN number gotcha. if you're invested through a trust or you invested through an IRA, or if it's just you personally, it's going to be your social security number. Okay, that makes sense. So it's like, hey, here's what you invested in and here's who you are. So I guess double check those to make sure those are accurate and you didn't get somebody else's. And then what, what else is relevant in kind of these first two parts here? Yeah, so the two, we'll go the, through the three most important um, numbers in part three, right? These are boxes, they're numbered one through 20. And so we'll start with the number one ordinary business income. So that's if you invested in a company, private equity investment, that box is going to be filled out and that's going to be your taxable income. Okay, so that's the number that you're paying taxes on. Correct. Okay, and so, so that number, what's, yeah, we'll tell, walk us through that. Yeah. So that number generally, you know, it, it, it's going to be positive if there's not a lot of depreciation or interest deductions. Yeah. Right. Okay. Or it's negative if you invested in private equity, that's, you know, business that's losing money. Right. I mean, yeah, my world, it's, you know, these were negative for a while, but I, I think in real estate, I'm guessing these are generally positive. Not, no, not necessarily. So okay. if you, especially after the latest tax loss, but if you have a, an, a, an investment, that has a ton of um, personal property that you can depreciate at five years, right? Okay. So if you had a lot of inventory in a, in a business that you bought, I see, yeah, and okay. you can depreciate that that inventory or the assets at a much quicker pace, right? So you might have a negative box. Oh, perfect. Okay. So yeah, even though the the investment itself may have made money, yep. and generated cash on right, paper, on paper, on, it had a paper loss. Yeah, because of the depreciation. That makes sense. And I think this is. Uh, you know, our president got in trouble a lot, or there was a lot of hoopla and uproar around this, around how all these real estate investors could, you know, generate tons of cash, but not pay any taxes. Well, right? so he got in trouble. Yeah. Well, trouble. He didn't get <laughs> any trouble. He's Teflon. But uh, yeah, the, the hoopla was over his, his net operating loss carry forward. So basically he, he wrote down a bunch of assets that didn't do well a long time ago and for bankrupted those investments right? He didn't personally go bankrupt, but he mm. bankrupted those investments and then used those, those lost carry forwards to basically not pay taxes on anything else for decades. And is that where this would have shown up in box one of or box one or two of the K1? Ooh, that's a technical question. <laughs> that you're, <laughs> okay. I'll defer to the CPAs. On yeah. Email us if one. you know that one. But yeah. long story short, that's the key. This is like the key number. This is what you're going to be potentially paying taxes on, right? Is whatever that number is in box one or two. Yeah, that's the key one. Uh, so usually for a business, it'll be box one for real estate, it'll be box two. And, you know, oftentimes, especially if you have uh, something that uh, like a California investment, you generally those apartment buildings, right? Your first few years of those are, are often you get a negative or sometimes 10 years, you get a negative number in box two. 
So that means you're not paying taxes, right? You're not paying taxes Great. on it. And if another wrinkle, if you are a real estate professional, if if you make real estate investing your primary business, uh, you get to use those losses, just like Mr. Trump did, to offset other income. You can even offset your spouse's income. Yeah. Great. That's right? wonderful. This is wonderful. Right. Okay. So you can have somebody who is a high W-2 earner, right? It's got a salary, makes a lot of money, but not a lot of income deductions, right? Because you can't deduct much if you're salaried. Mm. And then the other partner or spouse is a real estate professional that, that generates a lot of passive, you know, paper losses and gets to offset the W-2 income. Yeah. Okay. Let's say I get a K-1 and it comes back. Box- I, I feel like you don't appreciate that. Uh, you know, That's amazing. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> it's probably because I've never had to make one of the, I've never done that on my taxes. I, I think I'd be a lot more excited if I was benefiting from the, you're benefiting. I'm excited for you. Yeah, so like, you should be. I am. I'm very excited for the real estate investors out there. I know, are, I know some people who literally have had their spouse go and get a real estate job just so they can do that, this. And they make a couple of uh, side investments just to shelter the big W2 earner. Yeah. I just, I just feel like there's like a spirit of the law thing here that's being missed, but that's, that's what, what, what are you talking it's, about? It's neither here it's nor the there. It's the letter of the law. That's it, what I mean. It's the letter of the law is fine. It's just, feels a little weird but look at the Whenever, end of the day if you if there's a ten thousand dollar number in that box right that means you're going to effectively that's income that's ten thousand dollars of income to you yeah, right now and, and you're going to pay ordinary income tax on that so okay. california you know got it big, it, big it, tax bracket you're going to pay a big number but 50%. it's not it's not is that not it's not necessarily long-term capital gains is it no or that's short term that's ordinary income okay it's literally it's always going to be ordinary income if it's in that box always is such a <laughs> i mean such a well, i guess what word. i'm asking is does, is it both long-term capital gains or and short-term capital gains? No, it's short-term. Being, so it's, this it's is, short-term. yeah, because okay. this is just cash flow from the business. No, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, it's just so that year's. The, okay. long, the long-term uh, uh, capital gains would be if you sold it, right? Gosh, so that goes yeah, in that a separate sense. box that we'll cover next. Okay, that makes sense. So just almost by definition, because it's on a, these annual forms, it's less, you know, it's it's, it's income or, or net your loss that was generated that year. So it's going to be ordinary income long-term. Okay, Perfect. Uh, what what else? What okay, other so boxes we covered are... box one and two. Those yeah, are the yearly, those, those are the big ones. The big ones, and those are the the accounting of net income for the business for real estate that year. Now, box nineteen, we're going to skip all the way to nineteen. You know, there's a lot of important ones. There's a lot of other stuff in there, but it just doesn't seem that important. But the vast majority of the K ones out there will, you know, most of those boxes will be blank. It's like when you, you know, you, we've all gotten those forms, right? And like you're doing TurboTax and it's like box like, you're not, like you know, I got four through these. 12 yeah. is blank. You're yeah. asking me so many questions and I got zero, zero yeah. information like for you. Tab, tab, tab. Okay. Yeah. So, so box 19 is another important one. So that's going to be the distribution. So, so that's the actual cash flow that you received that year from this investment. Gotcha. Okay. Which doesn't necessarily tie to box one or two. Yeah. Because one's taxes and IRS and the other one's, one's sort of cash like, and one's accounting. A good way to think about it is like one is just an accounting treatment and the other one is just pure cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Which so it feels like that's a whole episode. I know it's maybe it's like 10 episodes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so box 19 is wonderful because that's the money you, you received that year, but you're not taxed on that number. Yeah. So you, so interesting. Yeah. So our, a lot of our investors will receive, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in any given year from one of the investments, but will not be taxed on any of that or uh, will be taxed on maybe 5, 10% of that because of the depreciation and the interest yeah. deductions. Yeah, right. So these, all these, so these non-cash expenses like depreciation, amortization, we've, you know, we've talked about those in other episodes. Those factor into that box one or two. 
but do not affect box 19, which is just the raw cash you got. Yeah. Okay. And what? And if I'm an investor, I mean, look, what can I, I can, can I look back at the checks that I've received from that investment over the past 12 months and said, okay, do these tie into... Yeah, uh, they should tie. Or I shouldn't say last 12 months, but the last calendar year. They should tie. Yeah. And if there's something, if it's wildly off, then there's a problem. If it's, you know, a couple dollars off, then it's probably not worth raising the issue. But, <laughs> but if it's thousands off, you better yeah. be contacting, hey, wait a minute, your your tax accounting says I received X, but uh, I only received X yeah. minus Y. Yeah. And if you're an investor in Brad or me and, and it's $5 <laughs> off, it's just, it's just it's deal. Not it's not fine. the email. <laughs> so, okay. So that's cool. So then I can, if I have $10,000 in that distribution box... I better add up, and I add up. I added up the checks I received from that investment in the previous calendar. It was calendar. ten bucks. It should it should be relatively close to ten thousand. Yeah, ideally spot on. All right, cool. So I box, mean, the first time I received a K one, and I wasn't doing this, you know, as a, a professional investor, I had no idea what I was looking at. I would have you. I, I would have known idea, no idea that I should have received that much money. Yeah. Well, I'm going to re-listen to this episode after I'm going to learn <laughs> a little bit. So okay. So then okay, box one, two, nineteen. Those are the key ones. Um, I'm seeing this kind of like capital account analysis here where it looks like there's some numbers that involve some of these boxes. Like what, what am I looking at here? So, yeah, so we're going to skip the, the partner's ownership. That's just pretty simple. How much you own of this investment. We're going to go down to box L, which is the partner's capital account analysis. And which sounds fancy, but all this is, is really just keeping track of your basis in the investment. And that just means how much money did you put in the deal and how much then is going to be deducted when you go to when you sell this asset, when this asset is sold and you receive a check, hopefully a big one, you're going to have to do it. You know, you have to pay taxes on that amount. So we need to figure out how much profit did you make? Yeah. Right. Okay. So if you put in a million dollars into a deal, right, and it made two, and your capital account balance was a million, still a million at the end of that investment, then you'd be paying taxes on that one million dollar profit. But let's talk about how that capital account balance adjusts every year. So uh, when you receive a distribution every year, box 19, we just talked about it. Yeah. That actually decreases your capital account balance. Mm. So what's the effect of that? The effect of that is that you're going to have to, you don't just get to avoid those taxes forever, is that you're deferring the taxes on that distribution that yep. year yep. until when you sell the asset in the future. Nice golly. It's, okay, this is great. So, okay, let's say we invested. In, don't yeah. lie to me. <laughs> this don't don't fake this. Fascinating stuff. I feel like I'm with all of our listeners in the car right now just being like, Jesus, are they doing this? Um, <laughs> all right, so let's say, okay, let's say I invested $10,000 in, in a deal and I uh, in my capital account balance is $10,000, correct? Why did you go down from a million? I was thinking big. <laughs> let's say we, all right, fine, it's a million. Our capital account balance is a million and then, Obviously, if I sell a thing and I make a million bucks back, I'm not paying any taxes, right? Because I put a million into it. Yeah. I got a million dollars back. I, you I didn't, broke I even. Didn't, I broke even. But, Bummer. So essentially, you're subtracting whatever is in your capital account balance from the the proceeds from a sale, and that's what you're paying taxes on. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. That makes generally makes sense to me. I should just. I should. I could be a CPA. I feel <laughs> like <laughs> I could just do this. You could. So what, what is the deal with these things? I mean, how, you know, when do you get them? Like how, how should investors in are, that are investing in alternative assets be thinking about these? Um, are they a huge headache? Are they pretty straightforward? What's the deal? Well, it depends how many you're getting. And it depends on if the, the sponsor, the person who's giving you this K1, gives them to you timely, right? And timely, I would, I would think of any time in March is a win. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So if you're investing in alternative assets, you can expect to be kind of going up against that April 15th deadline. Yeah, you or fire an extension. Okay, so yeah, a little bit of advice here. So you should probably have all your other documents in order that are non-K1 related because those K1s tend to come in last, right? And You're they come get, in hot. Yeah, they come in hot. And and because you can imagine, I mean, from the pro- sponsor's perspective, you are you have to do the year-end accounting, Yeah. right? You got to roll up all these different assets into one, you know, K1 for, uh, for, the, for that fund. And then you got to give it to the CPAs and they, they're going to take a month with it. So by the time you finish the year-end accounting, that's kind of like the start of February, right? Because year-end's more complicated sure. than quarterly. Yeah. And then you got to process all that stuff, your own controller accounting firm, and then you got to give it to the CPAs who got to go through it. So it's not easy to get these things out before the end of March. Gotcha. So, okay. So I mean, Blackstone can do it, but they often do it in March. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're investing in Blackstone, good on you. And you're probably not too worried about when you're getting your K-1s. <laughs> yeah. So then, okay. So you're, you're going to get these in whatever, March or early April. But essentially, they, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing some people just get these to you like a day or two before tax day, right? Yeah. So I haven't gotten, I'm still waiting on a couple of K-1s. Oh, from, okay. So they might even, okay. So they don't even come by tax day. So you yeah. automatically you're filing an extension if you're, for the most part. Yeah. So I, here's another tip. I Look, if you're getting a bunch of K-1s, you probably, you might want to just extend yeah. Right. And because I, I don't, I don't understand why more people don't extend. You know, I get it. You can make an estimate. You can say, okay, well, I'm missing three K ones. I kind of know based on last year's K ones or you know the the amount of money I've been receiving from these uh, investments, I can kind of estimate the taxes. Yeah. And so you you can submit your taxes. You can file if you want. Just make the estimates and then correct them later when they come in. That's a bit of a headache. So I just prefer to say, hey, I'm going to extend. And, uh, you know, I, I make an estimate and I pay whatever I think I'm going to owe. Sure. And then I file my taxes, you know, four months later when I have all the K-1s in, I, my CPA is not stressed with their hair on fire trying to, you know, get everybody's tax return done by the 15th of April. Yeah. They can take their time on mine. I'm going to pay the right amount of tax. And then I can adjust either I get a, a refund from the IRS or I pay them a little bit more with a very small penalty. Yeah. And I feel like most most people that invest in alternative assets and they're getting a lot of K-1s or they're, they're filing extensions, right? I yeah. Mean, the re- wealthiest people common. I know always extend. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So I, I like to knock mine out by April 15th at about 5 p.m. I, I literally was doing my taxes yesterday at about 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, okay, it's, yeah. it, you know, it feels better just to kind of get it done yeah. on time and not have to worry about it and think about it the rest of the year. But. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So bottom line, these are... You're going to get these documents if you're investing in pass-through entities, which most alternative assets are, and they're important, but they're kind of a headache. Um, but get used to them, right? Yeah, I mean, they're really a part be, of investing alternative assets. Yeah, here's where they're really a headache. They're really a headache is if you, you are investing in a in something that has a, assets in a bunch of different states, because mm-hmm. then you're going to get a K one for those states too. Did you think about that? Mm. There's just, I feel like there's some exponents now involved again. So this is going to get crazy. So, and you know, generally these, is this something if, are you doing your taxes on your own? If you're getting a bunch of K1s, can TurboTax do this? Or are you, are you doing, using CPAs? So TurboTax can definitely do it. And I've known, I know people that have, you know, manually inputted a hundred different K1s, which I think is insane. It sounds terrible. I think at that point you are just here, CPA, figure this out and you, you pay the bigger, bigger number each year. But you got to make sure that your investments are large enough to to go through these extra hassles and pay this extra money to your CPA. If, if you're making a bunch of ten thousand, five thousand dollars checks in these crowdfunded, you know, uh, platforms that invest in twelve different states, well, that's not going to be worth it. That's going to be a huge headache. Mm. 
Good point. Okay. So yeah, now you know. K1s, they're out there. Um, you're going to get them if you're investing in alternative assets. They're important. But get ready to hire a CPA and probably file an extension on your taxes. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you've made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.